0: Okay, today it is my privilege to speak to you. And as we speak, we will be concluding today our series we've called Witness. When we speak when we speak about witnessing, we're not so much talking about a tactic, but we're talking about a wonderful, wonderful experience. And the experience is that almost all of us here, I'm sure, if we were pressed down to the very core in our lives. And we were asked, what is the one thing more important than anything else? Something that you just wouldn't ever give up? I hope and think most of us would answer, it's Jesus. I'm never giving him up. I don't ever want to deny him. He's more important than anything because 300 years from now, none of our earthly problems will matter, but what we did with Jesus will matter. I'm sure we would all answer that. So we carry around within us this amazing, amazing treasure of Jesus, this wonderful love for him as our savior, the wonderful salvation that he brings and the life he gives. We carry that around within us, but, but it isn't enough for just holding that. To carry it is not enough, because while we carry it, we look at others who don't have it. And our concept and series of witness is how can we get that treasure That Jesus that we care about, how can we get other people to embrace him? Not how can we force people to come to church. Not how can we make bad people be better people. That's not the question. But how can we get our Jesus to them so they can experience this treasure? And that's the idea of witness. This morning, we're going to look at a most famous chapter in the Bible, And as we do, we're going to look at some stories that Jesus told and an experience which will introduce them all. As we do, I am talking today and have called this message Heaven's Joy. Heaven's Joy. Would you pray with me before we speak that God would speak to us in these moments? Holy Spirit, we welcome you just now. Our Father, we ask for your help. And Jesus, we pray that you would manifest yourself among us here today. We pray that every single one of us would be energized with your spirit, with your word, with your favor, and that we would see you as you are and welcome you to do with us what you will. We pray that you speak to us in these moments in your name. And we all said, Amen. Experiencing Heaven's Joy is what we'll speak about today. The passage or the chapter in the Bible has some of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, and you'll recognize them in just a moment. But they're stories about things that were lost, and we'll read them in a moment. Before we do, uh, I have a question that I'm sure you have an answer for, but uh, all of us have lost things, and all of us have searched searched for things that are lost. As I don't know, I I hate to think that it's just getting older, but uh, I, I lose things quite a bit. My favorite or my most common loss is a cup of coffee in the morning or tea. I pour a cup of coffee or tea, I start drinking it, I do something, 10 minutes later, it's lost. And I have no kids at home to blame for taking it or moving it. And I have found that I can find cups of coffee. I found them in the shower. I found them in the basement. I found them in the garage. I found them outside on the deck. Think that three days later, of course, that's where my coffee cup went. So that's not the kind of lost things I'm asking about. All of us have lost things. But have you ever lost something really, really valuable? where it was like a very serious search, not like, hey, where's my coffee? But we lost, where is it? I think you probably have. And I have a story that I think will illustrate some of the Bible stories fairly well. It's a real one in our lives. Uh, Years ago, when our family was a little younger, my wife did uh, quite a bit of baking And we tried to be healthy and she did a great job. She used to buy her own wheat berries and she would grind them and make this whole wheat bread, which everybody loved. It was really good. And and it was just a weekly occurrence. She's baking bread and and all of that stuff. And and uh, I didn't, you know, think much about it, but she always had uh, A way of doing things and and so evidently what she would do is she was kneading this bread and working with it she'd take off any jewelry she had especially her wedding ring because it got all you know stuck full of wheat and what have you so she would always take her ring off she'd put it somewhere and then make her bread and whatever I just never really noticed except one day she said hey honey where's my wedding ring I said (laughs) I don't know. It's your wedding ring. I don't know what could possibly. No, I I can't find it. I've been looking for it for days. I assumed it was here. I said, you know, long story short, we kind of, well, what'd you do? Well, I was making bread and uh, I can't find my wedding. Well, where did you put it? I always put it on the window shelf right above the kitchen sink as I'm working on the bread. It's always there. I I don't even bother looking for it. A couple days later, I went back. It's not there. I thought, oh, I didn't think much about it. Now it's days later. The ring's nowhere. We have to find my ring. I'm really concerned I lost that ring. I thought, well, okay, we better find that ring. So the search began. And, uh, you know, we swept and we cleaned and we looked. And we looked in cracks and crevices and places where a ring might be. We looked in places where a ring might not be. I took register vents off and looked down in case it fell down the register. And, uh, and that was not enough. And finally she said, you know... I was making bread. Maybe it got thrown out in the garbage. So I don't want to ask, but I'm sure some of you have looked through garbage before for something real. But you know you're serious if you're digging through old garbage. So, so I'm out in the garage and I'm pouring out garbage cans on the floor and you know piecing through garbage and I'm looking no wedding ring. She said. Finally, out of desperation, maybe some of the kids know where it is, and the kids just happened to be at an youth event in Marshville, Wisconsin, that was called Winter Blast, which is kind of like our Crave Youth Conference is now. And they were all up there. Somehow or another, I got our youngest son on the phone, at, you know, and said, "Hey, hey, what's up, Dad? Having a good time up there?" Yeah. I said, "So, just a crazy question. Any of you have any idea where your mother's wedding ring might be?" He goes, "Oh, oh, yeah." I thought, yeah? He said, yeah. It was a joke. I'm thinking, OK, but this. He said, yeah, I thought it was, I, I should. I forgot to tell her. When I saw she was making bread, I saw the wedding ring. And so before she baked the buns, I took the ring and I stuffed it in one of the buns. And I thought it'd be really cool, you know, to kind of search through the buns and find out which one it was in. And then I would tell her when she found it. But I forgot now, I wasn't angry, but I wasn't like, oh, ha ha, that was funny. So I said, so, son, how's the conference going? Oh, it's great. I said, are they praying for miracles up there at that conference? He said, I don't know why. He said, I think you're going to need a miracle here for your health and safety if you don't find that, if we don't find that ring. Anyway, that was a joke. But, so we now narrowed the search. It's in one of these buns. Well, we had eaten a lot of buns, and I don't think you'd swallow a wedding ring and not know it. So that means looking for buns that either didn't get eaten or got partly thrown away because kids took one or two bites. Back through the garbage. All the buns. Out on the garage floor. Pounding each one apart. Tearing it apart. Nothing. Out in the backyard because some of them got bad and I threw them outside for the birds to eat. And now they were soaking icky, moldy buns in the yard, in the dark, with a flashlight. I wonder what my neighbors thought. I'm out there going through icky buns. No wedding ring. Finally, a partially chewed, half-moon-shaped bun in the second bag of garbage in the garage. I open it up. Ta-da! See that feeling? We found it! I even called my son and said, miracles happen, son, you must have prayed. He said I did pray anyway. So we found it. And it is precisely that joyful feeling that sense of relief at finding something so valuable that was lost and potentially gone. It is that joy that I want us to focus on today. And it is that joy that is the object of Jesus' three stories found in Luke 15. Let's read the beginning, just the first two verses, because these first two are the essence of this story. Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. It said, tax gatherers or tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Tax collectors, other notorious sinners, we don't use words like notorious sinners but but this was conservative Judaism this was Israel where the even the average Jew was an observant Jew and went to synagogue and did their best to follow the law and and flagrantly disobeying it was not acceptable but there were those tax gatherers tax gatherers were notorious because they were extortionists They took advantage of people and they got very rich by demanding more taxes than that were due and by threatening innocent people and families, even imprisoning and enslaving children of families if people didn't pay them what they wanted. They were evil, many of them, and people suffered greatly because of them. They were crooked and corrupt like no politicians we know today. And they came to hear Jesus. It said, often. Not like one time he walked into the crowd and people thought, I'm parting here in case lightning strikes. It wasn't once. They came often. Notorious sinners. These were people that said, yeah, I'm a Jew, but I don't care about any of that law stuff. I don't care about the God stuff. I'm going to live how I want to live. You only live once. I'm going to have fun. Notorious sinners. They all came, it said, often to hear him. He was teaching and they came and they came off. And then the the response of the rest of the the Pharisees especially. And they were not bad people. They they were good people by deed. And their response was, this can't be right. This can't be right. Tax gatherers, does he have any idea what those people do? Do Do you know how much suffering has been caused by those people? And they're coming. And you're letting them. I mean, not one time, but you're letting them come. They keep coming and you keep preaching and you keep letting them. And he said, then you eat with them. I mean, to us, it's no big deal, but, but to the conservative Jews, who you ate with was sort of like fellowship. It was, it was sort of a communion, not as much as we would do today, but, but similar, if you're gonna sit down to eat with someone, you're actually sharing in their life and Jews would just walk away if there was someone at their table that was a notorious sinner or a tax gatherer. But Jesus, after he taught them, if they invited him to their house, he went. They said, you can't do that. The next verse, verse 3, starts out with these words. Then Jesus told them a story. Then he told them a story. Then what? When he saw what people thought about these people coming to hear him. When he saw the response that they were not happy that they were coming to hear him, but they were actually disgusted. He saw what was going on and he said, I need to do some storytelling here. Not because somebody was wrong and somebody was right, but because someone didn't understand what God was really like. So he told them a story. As a matter of fact, he told them three. Luke 15 contains those three. The first is the parable of what we call the lost sheep. You remember, a shepherd had a hundred sheep and 99 of them were just fine, but one of them wandered away and was lost. A shepherd, he said, leaves the 99 who were fine and goes and searches for the lost sheep until he finds it. When he does, he puts it on his shoulders and returns with this word rejoicing. Rejoicing, found him. I found him. And the shepherd comes humming a song all the way back to the other flock. I found him. Here he is. Now you go with your friends. Then he told another story. Because one didn't do it. He said there was a woman who had ten gold coins. And she lost one. She had a wedding ring and her son put it in the flower or whatever. But she had ten gold coins. She lost one. What did she do? She lit a lamp. She did a super thorough house cleaning. She looked in every possible place until she found the coin. And when she did, she called all of her friends and said, come on over for a party. I found it. I found my lost coin. And come and share my joy. Both stories. Joy. Joy. Joy for what? Joy for the found item that was lost. Joy for the fact that... I heard you, I just told the story. It didn't even mean anything to you, but I heard you when I said we found it, you went, oh, you could hear everybody say that. The the sense of relief, the sense of joy, the sense of yes. That's what the woman had. That's what the shepherd had. And then Jesus said one more story. That one we're going to read. Because something, the real story here is not the stories. The real story is verse one and two. The real story isn't the parable of the sheep or the gold coin or the lost son. The real story is that Jesus, as God in flesh, welcomed notoriously sinful people and bad people. And when they came toward him, he welcomed them. He did not push them away. That's the story. That's the object. The first two verses is the chapter. All three of the stories that Jesus told were told to try to get people to see what he saw. Because they couldn't see it. What he saw was the joy of finding something that is lost. What people saw was God or somebody saying they were God welcoming bad people. Making a mess out of this whole thing that we've worked so hard to have. So Jesus told stories to explain that. And what Jesus saw as a good thing, people saw as a bad thing. We're going to read that story we call the prodigal son, starting in verse 11. Join me as we read. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Well, to illustrate the point. The point is, what brings joy? A man had two sons. The younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father... I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, period. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son Said to him, Father, wait, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe, the house in the house and put it on him. Get a a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back. I wonder what the look on his face was. You know, body language, facial expression. Your brother is back, or... Your brother is back. I don't know. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, now notice the words and hear the tone. All these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. You can hear the tone. It's not hidden at all. You, all these years, slave for you, son of yours, wasted your money. His father said to him, now that the son was angry. His tone was accusatory. Hear the father's tone. Look, dear son. No anger, no accusation. Dear son, you have always stayed by me. And anything and everything I have is yours. Everything I have. But we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he's found. Jesus told these stories because of the first two verses. Because of what was happening there. Because Jesus saw something that no one else saw. They saw crowds of people and they saw bad people coming to hear Jesus. And they saw enough of him doing it regularly that many of them probably thought, hey, isn't it about time he deals with these guys? Isn't it about time? He's a prophet. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a man of God. He's a miracle worker. And he's welcoming this filth, these wicked people. Isn't it about time? Come on. Probably the average person wondered, what's that? The Pharisees were demanding. The scribes, the teachers of the law, were like, no. And Jesus didn't get angry at them. Nor did he get angry at the sinners. He said, you're all missing one thing. You don't know Father. You don't know what Father wants. You see, you think it gives joy to Father for you just to be good people. What brings joy to Father is when he found something that was hopelessly lost. When he pulls that ring out of that piece of a bread and you go, yes. Yes. And the whole world for that moment changes and all your fears are gone. You think, yes, who cares? We can clean the garbage up. I can scrub my hands with bleach. I don't care what it looks like. We found it. Jesus said, that's what Father was doing when Matthew came to hear me teach. Matthew, the tax gatherer. That's what Father was doing when Zacchaeus came to hear me teach and invited me to his home. Zacchaeus was not just a tax gatherer but the ruler of the tax gatherers and he lived in a palatial mansion and Jesus went there for dinner after the ministry and there were hundreds maybe of people there, all the tax gatherers, all the notorious sinners. This was the crowd and Jesus was there and he's eating with them and the Pharisees are outside thinking. And Zacchaeus looks over and said, Jesus, something touched me. I'm giving half of all that I own to the poor, half, 50%. Write it down, accountant. And I want you to check, accountant, every person that I've defrauded, whatever dollar, whatever shekel I have taken from them unjustly, I'm going to pay it back four times, Jesus. And Jesus said, today, God's kingdom extended into the home of Zacchaeus. And you know what Jesus saw? Jesus saw father in heaven going, yes, we found him. He's back. He could have been lost forever. But this young wee little man, Zacchaeus, the short man tax gatherer, is now home with me forever. Kill the fatted calf. But those outside didn't see that. They saw Jesus letting people in that shouldn't have been in or they didn't think so. And it wasn't that Jesus was right and they were wrong. It was Jesus knew and they did not. They didn't know. All three of these stories have the word joy. The shepherd brings his lamb that he found on his shoulder rejoicing. The woman, for the sake of her joy, invites her friends and said, Come and celebrate with me. I found my missing coin. And the father says, kill the fatted calf. I have found my son. Jesus said, all three of the stories, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Joy in heaven. So what Jesus was communicating to us is that there's joy in heaven. And that's why I came. I came to bring the father joy. You say, well, he came to save us from our sins. Yes, But that brings the father joy. And that's the real reason why he came. We sing this song over and over. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. That's it. He didn't want to be in heaven without you. Oh, we're righteous. We don't want those sinful people in heaven. You better be good or you're not going to make it. If, If he didn't want you in heaven, Jesus didn't have to come. He came because he wants you. He dumped the garbage bags of our lives out and he digs through them. And he came to earth and was born in a cave and lived as a poor carpenter and listened to stupid people accusing him of bad stuff his whole life and and his religious people hating him and the other people not understanding him and nobody getting him. He went through all that garbage all 33 years of his life digging through the garbage of humanity so that one day he can go, I found you. And Father goes, yes, it was worth it all. Jesus said, that's what I want you to see. That's why the story of the lost sheep. That's why the story of the lost coin. That's why the story of the lost son. All three stories were to get people to see that the thing that brings Father joy is when lost people are found. To apply that today, very simple things. We simply don't understand this because we misunderstand God. The truth is, these stories were not about coins. They were not about prodigal sons. They weren't even about elder brothers, and they weren't about sheep. The stories were about father. Because if you understand God, it's easy to tolerate people. If you understand that when, when, when somebody walks into church and you're thinking, I know that guy you're realizing father thinks this could be their chance. This might be their day. You say, well, it didn't happen today. How many days do you think father looked out from his balcony down that road? Maybe this is the day the son comes home. Instead, said he saw him coming far away. What does it imply? He's looking every day. He's looking every day and the sun comes home shameful Resolve that I'm going to tell father. I'm just going to be hired. I want to be hired as a servant I don't need to be your son. I don't want any respect. I don't need any inheritance I don't want any of that just I need a job And father sees him coming and in those days wrapped his robe up and ran down the road and picks him up and hugs him and says son Welcome home and the son probably pushes him away say father No, I've sinned I've sinned against heaven i against you. I'm not even your son. I, all those people that used to say, that's no son of yours, they were right. I wrecked that. Just make me as one of your hired and before he could finish the word. Servants, go bring the best robe in the house. Servants, go bring the golden rings and put it on his hands. Bring the best shoes. And the prime steer that we've been raising for beef, kill him today. This is our day. And they're like, what? He's back. I found him. That's what these stories are for, to understand God. Now, why is that important? I don't know what you see, and I'm sure there are social media algorithms that make you see what whatever you see, but I don't know how many advertisements I've seen on my social media pages for church Experts, church consultants, ministry consultants. Well, you need to do this during this time of trial for churches. Here's what you need to know. And they're all talking about church culture, church culture. And I get church culture. I alluded to it today about how we've seen transitions here and we see people serve and how generous and loving you people are and how we pray for each other and how people can make changes even if they're hard and still keep going forward and how we can still keep winning souls. And you know what makes church culture? Bringing the Father joy. Church culture isn't because we decide to be nice people. I hate to say this, but there are Christians that are some of the sourest people in the world. They're always mad. They're always scolding. always looking down their nose at us. That's not Christ. Why would we be sour? We don't understand Father. We think it's all about us. I'm trying hard. Remember the elder son? All these years I've slaved for you. There's a lot of Christians. How are you doing today? Working hard. Trying to get people saved. I think, who wants that? They don't understand. It isn't trying to make bad people good. It isn't about bringing people and making them be a part of church. It's about what happened just a couple weeks ago when this young lady came up to me after the service and said, you know that thing you were talking about? That spiritual hunger thing. I understand that, she said. Just months ago, for this whole last year, I kept telling myself and my friends, something's missing in my life and I don't know what it is. Something, there's gotta be more. And she said, my friend here at church kept inviting me. said, why don't you come to church? I found it. I found what was missing. She said, so I did. And just a few weeks ago, I found there months ago, I found this Jesus and I've got the answer. I found him. And I looked over there and I looked up to heaven and I thought, Father's happy right now. I don't care if it's 40 below. I don't care if there's four people in church or 400 people in church. I don't care if there's a million dollars or $10. Father's happy when that happens. And Heaven's going, we found her, she's back. And when those kids over there bring their friends and they learn about Jesus for the first time and they realize that church isn't just boring and old and for old people and they can find Jesus and they can learn about Jesus and they can invite their teenage friends to learn about Jesus and they do and they come and they say yes and father goes yes we found them that's the joy that spills into church and that's the joy that we feel and that's what we should always feel and that's what we should strive for it isn't about trying to be good people it's striving to make father happy would you stand with me this morning? I hope today that you will join God in his search for his lost treasure. Realize that what we do here, what we do as witnesses is not about making people do something or be something they don't want to be. It's about finding somebody that's lost to God. And it's about doing it with the same love that Jesus did. Regardless of what we see on the outside, Jesus sees a treasure on the inside. We might see an old moldy bun and Jesus sees the gold ring on the inside. Let's do that and let's keep doing that because the truth is The things that never change people say well nobody wants jesus in this culture i don't believe that two things never change the condition of human hearts and who jesus is those two things never change people still are broken inside they are still missing something inside and jesus is still the savior today and if we can connect those dots we're going to make heaven happy let's pray together lord we pray on this day that your blessing would work in our lives We pray like those multitudes that heard you speak these parables, that we would hear you today. That we would want to be witnesses, not just to prove something, not to do something or to make something, but that we would serve you, not because we're slaving away, but because we're helping you find your lost treasure. Our giving, our serving, our praying, our witnessing is for that. With your heads bowed today, maybe you would be in this place today and say, I'm that person. I feel like I'm the lost sheep and I want Jesus to take me back home. The decision to welcome him is the doorway in. If today you haven't welcomed Jesus into your life in a personal and a real way, I'm going to invite you to join others and say, yes, I want to welcome him. And today, that welcoming can begin with a simple prayer. How many of you would say to me by raising your hand, I want to welcome Jesus. I want you to pray with me, Pastor. If that's you, just raise your hand, not to embarrass you, just to let us know that you want to welcome Christ. If you're at home today and you're feeling a tug at your heart where you need Jesus, you know that you need him, call out to him today. You can message us, and we'll help you in any way that we can to follow him in this journey. But the Bible said, whoever comes to me, Jesus said, I will never turn away. If you come to him, he will receive you. Lord, we pray your blessing on these and all who've watched at home. We pray your blessing, your guidance, your wisdom, and your grace. And we thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Two quick things. If you're here and you would like prayer for something, we'll have people at our altar who would love to pray with you. If you're willing, we have some snacks and refreshments for you. Uh, We'd love you to join us and celebrate some of our new staff changes. God bless you, have a great day.